Welcome to Copyright Clearance and his podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, March 15th, 2019, and Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me from the London Book Fair. Welcome to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So it's always a pleasure to be here in London with you, Andrew Albanese, and to see all the world of publishing join us here. It has been a momentous week for the UK, but not because of the London Book Fair, but because of the series of votes that have taken place only a few miles away from Olympia Hall at Westminster Palace. A series of votes that have looked the various options that presented to the British people, whether they leave the European Union with a deal negotiated by Prime Minister Theresa May, whether they leave without a deal or whether they try to extend the deadline. We we don't know where this is all going to end up as we speak, but even if it does sort of come to any kind of conclusion in Parliament, that is only going to be the end of a certain beginning, and it will begin a new phase because uh, the UK will have to figure out the exact details, the terms of the deal. Um, Brexit, of course, much on the minds of everyone attending the program, hard to escape it. I heard someone say in the BBC that even the dogs in the street are talking about Brexit here in London. What have some authors said, Andrew? Yeah, it's been an absolutely hot topic here in London, as you might expect. And I don't think fair organizers expected that the fair this year would actually actually fall over a momentous three days when we'd be voting three times on Brexit. Uh, and certainly it was a hot topic at the fair, as it has been for the past three years. The difference is, of course, now the deadline is really sort of crashing down on everybody. And with the deadline crashing down on everybody, authors very much had Brexit on their minds uh, at the London Book Fair this year, and a few of which we reported in PW. Uh, most notably was Ian McEwen. Uh, the great author uh, took some time to tell my colleague Neil Denny that he wants the prime minister to, to simply revoke Article 50. He said a one-line email would do, <laughs> though he's pretty sure that's not going to happen. But he also expressed um, some negativity. You know, he thinks that there's a lot of chaos in the government right now. The Tories are going to be looking for a new leader. The Labor Party's in a state, he said. And he's feeling quite pessimistic about where Brexit goes from here. But he did mention that he will be marching on the 23rd of March, uh, which is a rally for a second referendum on Brexit in the UK here. And McEwen made his comments just hours before Theresa May was heavily defeated in the House of Commons in the first vote uh, for her new Brexit deal. Excuse me, the second vote for her new Brexit deal, but the first of three votes that, right, so for this, this week. Second vote on the deal, first of three this week. So it's, it's getting it, confusing. It's it hard to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he wasn't the only author here at the fair that had a lot to say about it. There was journalist-turned-novelist James Meek and author Carol Phillips, author of The Day, also had a lot to say about it. And I thought they had some very interesting observations about where this all comes from. Phillips said that it was sort of the folk memory of the British Empire that uh, was a significant factor driving Brexit. And, you know, he pointed out that the British Empire in 1945 ruled 760 million people. But by 1991, that was just 168,000. However, there hasn't been a subsequent fall off, he says, in the people's sense of the empire. (laughs) You know, they still think that, you know, the Britain rules the world. And, you know, it was interesting to hear how the, the notion of empire in Brighton's minds might be affecting their politics today. Phillips was asked if there was a message for the 52% who wanted to leave the the EU. 
And he had a simple message, grow up. <laughs> well, you know, everybody was talking about Brexit this week, Andrew, and I have to uh, tell listeners that included me. I had the opportunity to moderate a panel on the impact of Brexit for scholarly and academic publishing. And uh, you were there. You reported on it for PW. Listeners can check that out on the PublishersWeekly.com website. Um, an interesting discussion there, a very special discussion, because it's not really uh, one that is happening a lot in the press, worried about trade books, if they're worried about anything at all. Here, though, we're worried about um, research and, and the potential impact on research funding that Brexit would mean. And what did you get from that uh, discussion? I thought that was one of the best discussions of Brexit that I've seen in the London Book Fair uh, over the three years that we've been actually talking about Brexit. It was a very important discussion and very prescient of you to actually put that, you know, on the agenda. Well, it was kind of a risk because we imagined the discussion back in January, as you have to do with these things at trade shows, and, and had no idea where we would be come March 12th. And uh, we found ourselves in just the right place. And you know, as you said in your introduction to the panel, that the nature and the timing of Brexit may remain unclear, but you can still confidently predict that it's going to have an impact on the UK scholarly publishing industry. And I think probably more so than trade publishers, definitely more so than trade publishers, Brexit is really going to have an effect on the scholarly publishing and scholarly research enterprise in the UK. And you had a number of interesting speakers. And I thought it was interesting that Hugh Logue initially on the panel was the one that first kicked it off with, he basically said that Brexit is already damaging the UK. Right. Hugh Logue is an analyst with Outsell, and he's been watching the legal developments. He's an attorney himself, and he sees it from a legal perspective, but can't help but see the other impacts that Brexit has had. Such as currency devaluation. That was the first gut punch, and he's absolutely right, because researchers work on fixed budgets, right? They get their grants years in advance, and when the currency devalues, suddenly that's a 20% price increase on everything that you want to do. Absolutely. And, and uh, he also pointed out that this has been an opportunity for people who are looking to acquire UK companies just for the same reason. There's definitely been some bargain hunting, he noted, for international publishers to snap up some, some good buys in Britain, for sure. Right. And, and, and Tim Britton, who was recently with uh, Springer and Nature, had, I thought, really one of the most important points to make, which was that as much as Brexit is about politics and administrative uh, responsibilities and research funding, as you've said, there's an impact here that's an emotional impact. And it's going to affect the ways that uh, British research institutions move forward because many people who are outside of the UK are looking on and they're asking some questions. Academic research, scholarly research, science is by nature international enterprise. Uh, I think Hugh Logue is the one that said that one in six researchers in the UK come from outside the UK. And I think that Tim Britton's point was the most powerful made on uh, during the presentation, and that's that there's the psychological thing that's now happening there. You know, he said, would you move your family here? He asked, you know, if you'd build a house in the UK now, if you were just coming out of Berlin and you had just finished your postdoc, would you come to London? And he, the answer for him was absolutely not. And he said that that psychological effect on researchers, which is impossible to measure, could potentially have a far bigger impact than any of the eventual policies that get enacted on Brexit if we do eventually enact any policies on Brexit. Okay, well, psychology matters, of course. But Simon Ross, who runs the uh, press at the University of Manchester, made also an important point. These are still physical objects that we are selling. It's called the London Book Fair still. And getting those books, 
looks to countries beyond the UK borders. There's going to be new challenges there. Getting the paper to print them on is also going to be a challenge. He's even taken to stockpiling books ahead of Brexit. And it, you have to wonder if Brexit might have the effect of actually pushing libraries around Europe to buy more things digitally. Uh, that also was addressed by the panel. Um, you had a perspective from Germany, uh, Petra Labriga. Did I say her name correctly? Yeah, I thought she was terrific. She's she's a librarian, correct? She's a librarian. Uh, TIB is the largest scientific library in Germany. But she's somebody, too, and it's funny, she she brought up the emotional aspect. She has family and friends in the U.K. She spent a long time here. She worked at the British Library. So for her, she was saddened to see all of this activity and in her very German way said, it seems to be such a waste going on. Yeah, London is still London. I remember her saying you know, that it's still going to have an international flavor to this city. But in Germany, researchers and probably most people are really kind of puzzled by what's going on with Brexit. Well, you attended the Quantum Conference, and Stephen Page, who is the CEO of Faber and Faber, was there to give what I guess was the keynote address. Uh, what did he have to say? He rallied publishers. I would say Stephen's main thing was that uh, you know he sort of drew on a speech given by uh, Faber and Faber founder Jeffrey Faber in 1934 that uh, the name of the speech was "Do Publishers Have a Use?" and he basically was pointing out that some of the missions and challenges that publishers were, were engaging with back in 1934 are eerily familiar to today, including politically, the way the world is sort of fraying at the seams. And one of the, one of the main points that, that Page wanted to make was that, yeah, the new tools are great. And you have to get expertise in this new, in these new tools and new digital. You have to learn how to use social media. Uh, there's always technological revolutions in publishing, um, going back to the 1980s when you had the, you know, the bookstore revolution, et cetera. But there are enduring values that are really what's going to carry publishing forward. When Copyright Clearance says Beyond the Book returns, we will go back to our home base of the United States and find out what's happening in the budget or what's not happening. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly and host of the new PW podcast, Publishers Weekly Insider. Each week, we'll talk to PW editors, authors, and other industry guests about the biggest and most exciting stories and books in the world of publishing. New episodes of PW Insider premiere every Friday. So listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwinsider or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to PW Insider on iTunes. I'm Christopher Keneally for Copyright Clearance Centers Beyond the Book. It's Friday, March 15th, 2019, and we are in London attending the London Book Fair and speaking with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly, as we do every week. And Andrew, we've been concentrating on the London Book Fair. Naturally, we're sitting right outside Olympia Hall as we are talking now. But uh, that doesn't mean the news stopped in the United States. Tell us what's happening. That's right. So this week on Monday, uh, President Trump put forth his budget proposal for the fiscal year 2020. And the news out of that is that once again, for the third year in a row, the third of his presidency, the third budget of his presidency, he has proposed the permanent elimination of all federal library funding, uh, including the permanent uh, elimination of the Institute for Museum and Library Services, which is the federal agency that distributes uh, federal library funding. Now, most libraries in America, of course, are funded locally. 
I think the total amount of funding that libraries got from the federal government, uh, at least in terms of the money that the library associations lobby for, was around $230 million, $233 million perhaps. They got a little bit more last year. So it's a drop in the bucket in what would be the largest federal budget ever proposed. Trump's budget this year tops $4.75 trillion in proposed spending. But it's it's one of the largest budgets ever, if not the largest, but the budget itself is probably one of the shortest ever published. Very true. And people will note that uh, even though we know that the IMLS is you know marked for death <laughs> by the Trump administration, there's not actually a line in the budget yet that says this is what we're going to do with IMLS. But you shouldn't be, I mean, if you search the document, you'll see that the words IMLS simply don't appear. They're not in the budget in any way. And sources on the Hill have confirmed for me that uh, indeed lawmakers have been told that that the president will not fund, does not want to fund the IMLS. Now that said, librarians are feeling pretty good about where they are in terms of funding. For the last two budgets, even though Trump has proposed the same thing, library funding has actually increased. There's great bipartisan support in Congress for library funding. Uh, and these are important funds. I mean, even though it's only a drop in the bucket of library funding, uh, they do fund important programs in all 50 states. Well, well, members of Congress know that, the you know, all politics is local. And if the libraries are local, that means they need to be watching uh, their financing. That's exactly right. And, you know, these are the people, these the constituents and where these libraries serve are all calling their lawmakers and telling them how much those libraries mean to them. So while it may not be a priority, uh, may may not be as important as building a wall to the Trump administration, so to speak, libraries are very important to uh, people in their hometowns. Well, it's important for me to have a chance to talk to Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, every week here on Beyond the Book. Great to see you here in London. Have a safe journey back home, and we'll talk to you next week. Safe travels to you as well. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center. Our co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally for Copyright Clearance Center. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon on Beyond the Book.